Hello and welcome back to the Thundersticks Podcast. I am your host, Ben Kreider, and today I'm going to be giving a little bit of an off-season question and answer. There were a lot of questions that kind of popped up due to Summer League and even moving on forward to what this roster could potentially look like. So I gathered some questions. Some of them I wrote myself. Some of them were submitted to me through Twitter. I think we got like four or five in this batch today. We might have some more kind of come up in time as we approach the preseason in October. So there is a lot to be talking about in this one. There's a bit of a different audio quality. I have changed some setups. Like I said, for the past week, I have kind of been, you know, transitioning a little bit. So that is why you're going to hear some new stuff. That's why in the last couple episodes, I was like whispering sometimes. So thank you guys for sticking with me, bearing through that. Um, but, you know, it looks like we are pretty good here. And when you start with all the questions, I think the first question that a lot of people actually thought of, you know, throughout the summer league and just in general, kind of came from the first round picks and Josh Giddy and Trey Mann. And it was because, you know, you're both drafting two guards for Giddy. I mean, he's 6'8". He even coins himself 6'9 at some points. So he can slide up, maybe even like one through three, has some point forward skills. And then for Trey Mann, I mean, he's a six foot five combo guard. You're not going to play him at the small forward position. That's just kind of how that goes. But, you know, it kind of creates a little bit of a log jam. And a lot of people are curious, you know, what are we going to see specifically from Josh Giddy in terms of where he finds himself in the rotation? So that kind of leads to when should we expect Josh Giddy to start? Is he going to start at all? kind of just going along those lines. And that's a question that really comes in time. Like over the course of next season, Josh Giddy will be a starter on this team. There is no doubt about that. The question kind of kicks in when you start thinking about, well, where is he going to be? Is he going to be at the two guard, the three guard? Definitely not the point guard. That is SGAs and SGAs only. I think we all know that. Um, But, you know, he could play the two or the three in a starting rotation, or it could be a six-man where you have a lot of kind of roster flexibility. And I was trying to tinker rotations. I'm going to get into it in a little bit uh, in some of these further questions, but you got to look at what you had last year and really what he would be up against if it were to be cracking this rotation from day one. So what you saw last season when everybody was healthy, of course, and George Hill, we're not going to count him because, you know, he's here for like 11 games. He wasn't part of that team, uh, really. Now, the way that it looked, you had SGA. He was the helm of this team. He's playing 30 plus minutes a night, probably going to be playing 35 in some of these games next season. And he was last season. He's the star of this team. He's playing the one and you're not moving him there. It's not interchangeable. It's not debatable whatsoever. At that two guard, you had Teo and he kind of came in originally as this guy who had to earn his stripes. I mean, he was lodged behind George Hill in the rotation. He was expected to play with the Oklahoma City Blue in the Orlando bubble. He didn't have to do that. George Hill got injured. He got to start, and he was just a positive impact from the get-go. He had a game against the Brooklyn Nets, I believe, where he's hitting like six or seven threes, setting a rookie record at age 19. Now, did Poku break that record a couple months later? He absolutely did. But he was crushing it, especially for being drafted in the second round. It was not anticipated that he would have kind of a quick impact. And it kind of evolved from him just being that, like, you know, patch up two guard. You just throw him in the starting lineup due to necessity, too. 
he actually was a pretty solid starter when SGA got hurt, when everybody else got hurt on this team, especially when you're talking February, that was where, you know, you hardly could even field teams. He was always there to play and he always performed and he did that throughout the entire season, led the team in minutes, averaged a little bit over 10 points, I believe. If not, it was like 9.7. So he was a very productive player in his first year. And he comes into his sophomore season at age 20. Still pretty young, has a lot of potential. And hey, if you're looking at a redraft, there's no way he would be going pick 34 like he did last season. At the three, you had Lou Dort playing a lot of those minutes. 30 minutes, that was a typical sample for him. And I would imagine that'd kind of be the same for him in a starting gig. You're not going to put him into a bench spot. Uh, you know, he's already kind of proven himself. He's the best defender on this team. And whenever he's able to lock up guys like LeBron James, yeah, you're not going to put him in a six-man role when he too is also on a rookie contract and is a very, very cheap one for the Thunder. At the power forward spots, it really doesn't impact Giddy whatsoever. He's not playing at the power forward, but you have that discussion. It's between Darius Baisley and Alexei Pokashevsky. And could there be fallout that might, you know, tap into Josh Giddy's minutes? Maybe. If you want to play Poku at the three, you want to play Bays at the three, you might need to have some of those like contortionist acts where you just got to make things work uh, rotation wise. I don't think it matters right now. I think Bays and Poku probably going to be playing 24 24. Poku averaged that last season uh granted you know there were some up and downs in terms of minutes but i don't think it matters so you can put either uh, of those two there and the same kind of goes for the center position you have roby i don't think he starts you have Derek favors i say for the heck of it he probably is your day one starter but he's kind of like that al horford kind of starter where he's not actually taking 30 minutes up he's just kind of there plays a little bit over half the game so let's say you know be generous 26 27 minutes that's where you're looking at with him and that kind of leads to where does Josh Giddy fit? And in a second unit right now, because I left out, you know, the starters, of course, we're, we're taking them off the list for here. You're going to guys like Ty Jerome, Trey Mann, Poku, Jeremiah Robinson Earl, Kenrich Williams. He's clearly better than them. He has more value than all of them. And I think he might even have more value than some of these starters that I already listened or listed. And um, when you go into that, I think the way that Giddy would be starting is at the two guard. I think that Teo, even though he was a really good starter, and I think for the current situation where the Thunder, they're not necessarily out looking for wins right now. They actively tanked for two months and then fumbled it away thanks to Josh Hall and Moses Brown, who uh, Brown's off the team. Josh Hall just got back on the team. You know, he's on a two-way contract. So it's kind of a little bit ironic as to how everything uh, fizzled out to end last year but you're looking at things you're looking at josh giddy how he's gonna work teo how he's gonna work i think with teo he has some growing spurts you know he has those games where he's gonna go one of seven from three he can still pass the ball extremely well and he can play off the ball next to sga actually very well he's a good complimentary piece and i actually think he might be a better one than josh giddy at least from the perimeter right now and whenever you see a lot of driving dishes with sga you're going to need someone to be at the perimeter, take a shot, or, you know, if SGA is a little bit tired, you got to let them orchestrate the offense. And Teo does a solid job with that. I think he can grow into a pretty good point guard in this league, six-man caliber, maybe even average starter. Uh, I don't know about all-star, but 
he is kind of on that trajectory. He is really, really good uh, for where he's currently at. But you look at Josh Giddy. I mean, you draft this guy sixth. You had Jonathan Kuminga on the board. You can go on and on. Moses Moody, Book Knight. Book Knight was the other main guy really in that conversation. So there is a lot of stock and a lot of hype that should be surrounding Josh Giddy right now. And he has not really gotten that attention. If you guys have gone really anywhere on the internet to this point, uh, when you look at, you know, these like social media outlets, who's going to be rookie of the year? Who is your favorite rookie? Your favorite rookie? Uh, you're going to see Cam Thomas. It's like the 27th pick of this draft. He's going to be above Josh Giddy in those categories. And you're going to forget Josh Giddy was even drafted by the Thunder. There's no media coverage toward OKC. None going Josh Giddy's way. Even on draft night, they didn't have you know, the correct visuals up whenever he got drafted. They thought he was a late lotto guy. Got taken above Kuminga, who was expected to be one of the top four picks until like early July. So the tables kind of turn with that. Um, but, you know, you need to play Josh Giddy a lump sum of minutes. And when I check out Teo versus Giddy, I think right now, you know, you could have a contest as to who's better. I think fit-wise next to SGA, I might actually give Teo uh, the boost there, but Josh Giddy has more of that star potential. That's why you're drafting him at sixth. In the NBL, he's one of the better passers. I don't have the averages on my screen, but he did average seven assists, seven rebounds, Decimal-wise, I'm not really sure, but on points, too, a little bit above the double-digit mark. So, you know, he's kind of one of those well-rounded guys, and he's not explosive when it comes to slashing to the basket, but he is very good at kind of seeing the floor, finding the open gashes, and just taking advantage. So, he's a really good passer you can pair next to SGA, no question. If you need someone to take it past the timeline, Josh Giddy is the second-best member on this team uh, right now, and... This dude's like 18 years old, so he can continue to just prosper. He can spread out his wings. By the time he's 20, 21, who knows what his build is going to be like. Dude apparently has been growing just at a rapid pace over the last 12 months. I don't know if he's going to cap out at 6'10", 6'11". Might be done growing for all we know. But his build already, given his just high activity when it comes to passing, is extremely special and... I think that's what you want to go for here. You know, they took a home run swing. They took a major risk, might I add, in picking a giddy over a Jonathan Kuminga. That was the guy that I wanted. We saw in the Summer League, and you can tell me all you want. Summer League doesn't matter. Okay, whatever. If you're going to see Jonathan Kuminga cross over Jalen Horde, dunk over somebody as time expires, and you say, that's not valid, that doesn't mean anything, that's just ridiculous. This guy can jump out of the gym. In terms of shooting the ball, he was not hesitant in doing so in Las Vegas. If he was on the Thunder, you would be giving him the ball all the time to shoot threes and make or miss everybody's happy because you know if you're losing game after game you're getting more ping pong balls for you know june and july um where you know if you got all these shots going in well hey you have a 19 year old i guess he's actually 18 still but he's going off and that's star potential so you couldn't go wrong there with giddy i mean this was more of a head scratcher in terms of position wise like i mentioned play style wise but i actually think he probably would get the starting nod over Teo right away. When you look at guys taken in the top 10, most of the time, you're going to find them in this starting unit because the teams they're drafted by, 
you know, there's a reason they're there. They're not very good teams, and they're looking to, you know, cash in uh, sooner rather than later. You see a guy like Patrick Williams from the Chicago Bulls. He played every, I think it was 71 games he played. He started in all of them, and, you know, he showed flashes. It wasn't like he was out there drumming out 15 and 8 a game. Like, there were some growing pains. And even despite that, and despite the bar that was set for the Bulls, which is, you're trying to contend, we just got Vucevic, all this and that, they implemented him into the system, they did not give up on him, and you're looking to him in his sophomore season, you know, to really improve on his game. So, I'd actually imagine Josh Giddy would be the starting shooting guard to begin with, and maybe Teo comes in at the sixth man, but the two people in that contest would be Teo and it would be Josh Giddy. Whoever loses out on that is going to be playing a lucrative amount of minutes off the bench. I think a 26, 27 minute pallet would be pretty good for Josh Giddy. I think he'd be starting immediately. That would be my choice if he's completely healthy, uh, which he should be. I don't think the ankle was that serious. If not, you know, he should be starting by Christmas. That is at least how I, uh, how I take things into account with him. But moving past Josh Giddy and kind of just looking towards the roster and fold, there are a lot of question marks and we don't know how it's going to get filled out. As you guys know, Josh Hall got signed to a two-way contract last week. And the fallout of that is there's not as many roster spots anymore. Like it's just that simple. He took up the final two-way spot. He's next to Aaron Wiggins. And when you look at the contracts dished out, standard contracts, there are 10 currently locked up. And one thing, and I might be wrong here because every, you know, some of the people I've been checking are saying there's only one spot left. I'm not necessarily sure how they're getting that. Maybe there's a guaranteed contract that is set to guarantee and they're just tacking that on. But on my list right here, I have 13 standard contracts and I have two two-way contracts. That means... In total, you have two standard contracts that are still available, but the issue is you just brought on four rookies and you cannot bring everybody back. And we already saw kind of some roster movement. You can say Kemba Walker is part of this team. I don't really know. Um, You know, we kind of just waved him. Moses Brown got shipped off in a deal and we saw other players as well like Sfi, you know, his offer, his qualifying offer got rescinded. And then Tony Bradley, he's on a deal with the Chicago Bulls now. So people have already started to move around and that's cool. But there are still some guys left over from last year's team who are available on the market and, you know, they would not be terrible to bring back onto this roster. And you check out who is still on the table. There are two guys who are actually set to have a deal for next season but they're non-guaranteed. So pretty much this is just, let's say a restricted free agent, like they get first dibs, they can pay a set number and they're going to keep them for next year. Like there's not a lot of contingencies to this plan whatsoever. And there's two guys that are bunched here. Charlie Brown Jr. is the first. We got him on a two-year contract like a couple months ago. We got to play in the Clippers game and make like 500,000 in the process. So good for him. Uh, and doing that and then he also had this year as that second year but it's not guaranteed at all and I've drawn this comparison because it's the same contract um, but Omer Yurt 7 of the Miami Heat whenever he got signed from the Oklahoma City Blue because that's where he originally was he got on this same deal where they got him in like the final week of the regular season he didn't play didn't touch the 
four in the playoffs either but they still had his rights they got to bring him on into summer league killed it in the california classic earned himself a two-year deal and he was still beasting in vegas so they got a really good deal out of doing that and this was kind of what oklahoma city was trying to replicate and i don't know if the results are exactly the same with charlie brown jr and this is a guy that there really is no fan club for him right now like you look at guys like Isaiah Roby, just like the bench people from last year, there were people on Twitter, there were spaces for every single one of these guys. I'm not too sure if I've seen one for Charlie Brown Jr. And it's because, you know, for one, he was hardly on the team last year. Like he got in for like 21 days. He got three weeks of play and then he's had this off season, but he didn't play spectacular last year. You know, he had a bad set of cards, of course, because the way everyone was performing, but he was still missing shots. And then you go into summer league play and he was not hitting shots to save his life. And it was pretty apparent that he was going out there. He needed to make a statement. He needed to earn himself a contract. And I cannot discredit him for that. Like if you're going in there, you need to make a point. You need to be dropping 20 points proving that you are a menace on the defensive end because that's why he got signed in the first place. Say so he did a pretty solid job defensively. Uh, when you look at what he did on offense, though, it really does not tell you the same story, sadly. I think he shot below 30% from the field, and I'll have to get up the Summer League stats, uh, of course, as I'm talking about him, but it really was just inglamorous for him. He could not buy a bucket. You saw him go baseline on people, immediately gets the ball. He tries doing post turnarounds. This is something we've never seen from him, even when he was playing in the G League with the Iowa Wolves. Post game, absolutely not. This guy was playing street ball out there when you had a wide open Rob Edwards in the corner. And we all know this. If Rob Edwards is open at any capacity, you give the ball to him immediately and you test your odds right there. Uh, and he was just trying to get his own. And that's fine. Like, it, it makes sense why you'd want to do that. Um, but the shots were just simply not going his way. So you check what he's doing. We don't really have a new outlook on him as to if he's going to get re-signed then since he's not guaranteed i don't know if we're going to see him again um but the next guy is gabrielle deck and there have been constant stories about this guy even when the original negotiations were going between the two parties deck his agency and the thunder there were rumors galore this happened with michich as well he never came over deck did though and this is just a back and forth of, oh, he's in the hotel now. He has to quarantine. He's set to play at this time, this game. Oh, wait, there's visa issues. Like, there was a lot of stuff. And we got him in for 10 games. He was impressive. He had a good post game. Pretty solid passer. I know in his debut against the Pelicans, he had like a transition behind the back that everyone was going crazy about. So he was good. Um, But... In terms of if he's going to be able to be like a full-time guy on this Thunder team, I don't know. He's already 26 years old. He's one of these like tweeners where he's kind of built to play at the three height-wise, but he played at the four a lot. Like he's a bit bulkier. I don't know where you set him in like a playoff team, really. Uh, and then also his jump shot. We cannot forget about that. That thing is a, uh, a beauty in its own right takes a little bit of time to charge that up and he shot in the mid 30s with real madrid from distance 
Not with the Thunder, though. Definitely not um, with the Thunder. So I don't know if we're going to have him again. I think if you're going to keep him around, it's like 3.8, 3 point some odd million for next season. But he's not guaranteed yet. And we have until September 20th to make a decision on him. And there's also been rumors like when the Olympics were going on that he actually signed or he was in negotiations to go back to Europe to play. We don't really know this story on that though. So that's what I'm talking about. Like there's just so much like mystique surrounding some of these people we've been going after. Like Vasile Micic, what what you know what went on with him? And the agent was going on television shows saying, "Oh, that's not true." Uh, and now with Deck I mean, you have tweets and reports that he's going back overseas, but we don't have any confirmation on it yet. So we'll just sit there. We'll see uh, what kind of happens with him. But there's other guys in this mix too. And Jalen Hoard's one of them. Came off that Exhibit 10 deal, played extremely well on the two-way deal. And he had that one like 16-point performance against Indiana in the Summer League where he hit those two threes. Not really a three-point shooter, but... He still was kind of consistent, and he's a good presence around the basket, of course. Pretty decent rebounder, and on defense, he is a little bit nimbler at the four spot, but just like an Isaiah Roby or something, he can actually play there uh, pretty proficiently and then even slide down to three at times. Cannot play against the backcourt figures, though. So, he's only 22. He was a five-star formerly. He might have some potential yet to be uncorked. I think right now, he's still worth a two-way contract. Minimum deal, maybe. I think he's worth a training camp spot. Uh, all 30 teams need to be talking to Jalen Horde about doing that. But there's no set plan for him. And I don't think he would be returning just to play for the Oklahoma City Blue. Like, an Exhibit 10 deal would not cut it. He played way better than that kind of deal so he could go overseas he could probably make a decent chunk of change or he could just sit there and wait for a better contract to surface but you know the thunder they're pretty tight on roster spots he would be worth maybe like a one-year flyer but if josh hall got a two-way deal and i would i would confidently say josh hall probably has more value than jalen horde i don't know where that puts him in the pecking order of things and past him is another guy who was on the Oklahoma City Blue kind of in principle. I guess he did sign, um, but we didn't get to see him in a Thunder jersey. He's been rehabbing in Oklahoma City for upwards of seven months, and we drafted him. We traded up to get him in the second round. It's Vid Kredshi, six foot eight point guard, pretty good when it comes to shooting the basketball, mid 30s from distance. And then when it comes to attacking the baskets, he's like Josh Giddy in the sense where. You know, he can elevate there. He's not going to be throwing down tomahawks or anything. He'll get it done, though. And he likes taking contact around the basket. 21-year-old, just like a Giddy, just like a Poku, where just oversized guards, and that's about it with him. He has potential there, though, to really grow and fill out his game. Whenever the Thunder originally traded up to pick 37 to get him, I thought a deal would be in place. He did have to rehab his torn ACL, so nothing was really done, but he was still in Oklahoma City, and, you know, that kind of told me, like, hey, there's going to be a deal already set in place for next season, so I actually thought Vic Kretschy would be the first deal the Thunder signed. Now we're sitting here, back end of August, we don't have any news on him, and he was supposed to play in the Summer League, did not happen. There was reports that he was rehabbing, 
He looked good to play in scrimmages and five on five starting this month, but it didn't work out. And he was with the team. He was on the sidelines rooting and cheering for them. Hell, he was even at the team dinner in Oklahoma City when Trey Mann was kind of leaking stuff for us. Um, but we don't have any real substance to what is going to go on with him. And I really enjoy Vit Krejci's play. I think that if you sign him, it has to be a full deal because we don't have a two-way, of course. I think just due to the nature of overseas deals and buyouts, he would have to be on a standard contract. But I think he's worth it. I think he has potential, and that's kind of what the team is going for. So he's yet to be talked about. Rob Edwards is the darling from the Summer League, darling from the blue. A lot of people love him, and a lot of people are saying, hey, if Charlie Brown Jr. got a deal, why did Rob Edwards not get a deal earlier last year? Why does he not have a spot and Charlie Brown Jr. does? I'm not too confident Charlie Brown Jr. is going to be back. Uh, I don't know about Rob Edwards either, but you know that is a pretty good point. This is a firecracker score. He can go off for 15, 20 points in a heartbeat, and he's a pretty unique guy who I think when you assess the roster, isn't really like anybody that the team currently has. He is a straight-up scorer. You just put the ball in his hands, you let him operate. In regards to all the other guards on this team, yeah, they can go off from three, they can take it on the move, but you know there's kind of a passing part of their arsenal. When you give it to Rob Edwards, you're just letting him take it one-on-one -on -one and reap some rewards off of it. So, I love him. I've been a big fan since February. Uh, I don't know... <laughs> if he's even on the Thunder's radar, though, because they definitely would have had a chance when they were just flinging out 10-day contracts and uh, two ways, which, you know, he deserved both of those. But I just mentioned four guys. There's reports that Thon Maker had been out to Oklahoma City last month. There's probably some other guys that have been in and out, you know, with interviews and such. And there's kind of a clear hole at the center. You have Muscala, you have Favors, Jeremiah Robinson Earl, I guess, and even Roby to a degree. But, you know, you might want to get another young guy in that spot. Uh, so they have different pathways to where they don't have to just sign these guys that they already had. Uh, if it was my decision, I would probably give Vit Krejci one of these full-scale contracts because he's 21, he's already been around the team, he knows the system, and his game really fits what they're going for. Like, it seems like they drafted Josh Giddy based on his archetype of being a demigod, like, point forward type. Or even, not even a point forward, like a point guard. And that's what Vit Kredge is. So, you get that kind of value. You don't let him, you know, just sift right away. You don't let him slip through your hands, go back overseas, go somewhere else. I think there's value with him. And I think you need to kind of check, you know, what... What is going on? You got to monitor the situation. I'd give him a deal like a Lou Dort, like probably not a Charlie Brown Jr., maybe a Moses Brown to where it's like a four-year rookie-scale contract where it's not guaranteed in years two, three, and four. So that'd be my choice if I was the GM. That gives you one remaining spot. Charlie Brown Jr., sorry, man. Uh, I don't think so. If there's a spot in the Oklahoma City Blue, I would give it to him because he was performing fairly well uh, with the Wolves, uh, Gabriel Deck, I don't even know if he wants to return, like I said, there's a lot of rumors, also, I don't really know if you have a spot for him on this roster anymore, because of, really, Jeremiah Robinson Earl joining this team, Muscala being back, which, you know, he didn't play, he was content with that, I would feel like he gets some minutes on and off, when, you know, when Deck was playing, like Muscala, 
He was just kind of on the sidelines. He was a coach damn near. So I don't think Deck would be back. I think that, you know, he's solid. Uh, at 26, though, he doesn't really meet the criteria of, like, what this team would look like. In five years, I wouldn't see him on this team. You know, I think he would kind of outlast that or not even outlast. I think the Thunder, you know, they're so young. They're kind of in a different stage than a deck. And even play style-wise, they just don't really mesh too well. So I'd probably, you know, say no to him. With that final spot, you have Jalen Horde, who I like. I think he would be worthy of some minutes. Rob Edwards, though, I really like him. And... If I had to pick between the two, I think the better player right now overall is Rob Edwards, of course. Now, Rob Edwards is 24, Jalen Horde's 22, and you have a lot of backcourt players already. And this is my proposition, and this is what I kind of love about the preseason and like training camp and such. You have to have 15 standard contracts and two two-ways by tip-off uh, next season when you actually go to open and day and stuff. Before that, you can have more than 15 players and two two-way guys. We saw that. Whenever the Thunder were playing preseason games in December last year, they had 18 full-scale contracts on the roster. They had TJ Leaf, they had Admiral Schofield, and they had Frank Jackson on the team battling for a roster spot. They trimmed TJ and they trimmed Admiral Schofield during the preseason, and then they had Frank Jackson as that final cut. Combined, those guys made around like five million collectively, and I think TJ made like three and a half million of that five. But there was a really interesting contract that was mixed into there with Frank Jackson that I actually would want to see with Rob Edwards, and it's giving 250k to somebody, so it's a partial guarantee, and it just gives you a closer look again. And this might just be my emotions going over, you know, my actual logic here because. Why would they want a 24-year-old when they already have a ton of guards? I'm not sure. I think you still want to give him a platform like they did with Frank Jackson. But you just plop him in the system for four games or whatever. Let him go off. If he keeps going over those like 20-point games like he did in Vegas, which I think he probably would in at least one of those, you might sign him. Maybe someone else would look to sign him on a two-way like the Pistons did with Jackson. And now Jackson's on a legitimate contract with the Detroit Pistons. So I think it's a great opportunity really for both sides. 250K, you know, that's obviously not chump change like to a non-basketball organization. I'm not giving 250,000 to someone to show up for 10 days. It's a little bit different though in the NBA sense. So if they really like the value with him, you might want to test the waters, see what's going on with him. I would be open to it. And then Jalen Horde, of course, you want to bring him back in. Maybe like a Thon Maker, like I said. Uh, if I had to pick the top two guys here that I think the Thunder would logically pick, I'd say Jalen Horde might get that second one. Um, but, you know, they might throw a complete curveball in there. My choice, though, I'd probably want Credshee. Um, But, you know, they also do need to kind of hound in on team needs and such. So that's kind of my question or my response to that, I guess. Uh, and then there's also, you know, kind of going back into looking at specific parts of this team and this goes into the question of how should the guard minutes be split up and this is a difficult one because i already talked about credshi and rob edwards i love them to death uh, i just don't know about the minutes there which is kind of what stings they could both play with the okc blue with edwards i think it just would not make as much sense with credshi it made complete sense like ty jerome played in the bubble for like a month 
and he had like ankle injuries, like a wrist injury or something like that. But it was not as serious as a torn ACL. I think you would put Crunchy into the Blues system and that just make a lot more sense. Like I said, Edwards, eh, it's, it's a little different. But just checking what they currently have at the point guard and shooting guard, you have four returning guys and it's SGA, Teo, Ty Jerome, and Kenrich Williams. Have the two guards that you just got, though, in Josh Giddy and Trey Mann. And you could say Aaron Wiggins in this category as well. He's more of a wing, two or three. I'm not going to put him in this, though. I think the only way he'd actually get minutes uh, and be in the rotation is probably due to some sort of injuries or protocols, which may very well happen throughout the course of the regular season. But I just am honing in on these six guys. And truth be told... I don't think it's possible to play all six of these guys the amount of minutes that they deserve. You go in the pecking order of things, SGA is your number one priority. You gotta play him every minute you possibly can, and I think 34 minutes, it's kind of justifiable. I think that's a decent array of minutes to give him throughout the regular season. He played like 33 last year, so 34 minutes, strictly playing at the point guard spot. And that kind of narrows those avenues a little bit. And, uh, you know, he deserves all the minutes. So it makes sense why you'd play your star like that. Moving on, though, to the two guard. I mentioned, you know, how they're going to do the starting lineup. And maybe, you know, if they want to put Giddy at the shooting guard, they may say, you know what, let's actually put him at the small forward and we could put Lou Dort at the two guard it really doesn't matter which way you want to cut it for this one i have josh kitty at that starting two guard though and i only have him getting 15 minutes i see him being used really just in between the first uh you know the starting group and also the second unit as a small forward just due to the nature of how this lineup is constructed so I got Giddy there, and then Lou Dort, he's just like SGA in the sense where you're not really going to give his minutes away just for the sake of roster flexibility and giving other people chances. Like, he's already proven himself. I say 30 minutes is what he'd get there, and it doesn't really matter what goes on at the small forward. It kind of matters for Josh Giddy, but everyone else, not so much. The real competition heats up in the bench, though, because you have Teo, you have Ty, you have Trey Mann, and you still have Kendrick Williams that you need to worry about. And I think when you break down things, I'd probably pick Teo above Ty Jerome. And I'll go to it uh, in a little bit, but I'd have Teo as your point guard in that second unit. I'd say 14 minutes. He plays every other second that SJ is off the court there. And when you do have to make lineups where both of them are on the floor, that's when Ty gets his chances. But I'd say 14 minutes if everybody's helping or healthy on opening day. And then at shooting guard, I'd say Trey Mann, he collects 22 minutes. And it's more or less like just interchangeable at what position really with uh, that second unit and the point guard and shooting guard position. But I don't think you stash him in the G League. He might get, you know, recalled and pushed down like a couple times. Like that'd be normal. Um... I do think, though, for the 18th pick, or I guess, yeah, yeah, the 18th pick that they wanted to take at 16, actually, you would want to give him 20-plus minutes, and with how he was doing in the summer league and some of the potential he kind of flashed, you might want to give him uh, an opportunity to play 20-plus. And then 
behind him, which is also just like based on how you have the court lined up, Teo would be getting an extra 11 minutes, so that'd be 25 in all for him. Trey Mann gets 22 minutes, and then you go to the small forward again, where Josh Giddy gets even more minutes because when Dort is off, you're going to need someone running with Teo, Trey Mann. Kenridge Williams could be that guy, I guess. Isaiah Roby could be as well, but you picked him at number six. You got to play him some minutes. So I'd say like 12 extra minutes. He'd be playing 27 in all. And then there's only six minutes left over at the small forward spot. I guess I'd say Kenrich Williams and the way that things work in the NBA, like I'm just spewing this off. Like I mentioned, if everybody's healthy, this is opening day. There's going to be injuries sprinkled in that is going to give everybody a solid chance to, uh, you know, prove their worth. And for a guy like Ty Jerome, who I didn't have on this list, it's a bad deal to him because he deserves to play 20 minutes. He was playing around that last season and he was balling out. I mean, everybody was going crazy about his 28, 32 footers. He just seamlessly uh, just pull up and even passing. He's really good. His assist to turnover ratio is one of the better ones on this team. And then Kenrich Williams, he's already 26, uh, but you know, he, I'm assuming he didn't want to get traded last year and he is really good defensively two through four a lot of flexibility given with him uh, alongside with just his overall game even on offense so it screws them over they'd all get minutes but that's the way i'd see it like you discussed so i guess the pecking order here would probably be sga number one josh giddy Teo, trey and then ties on the outside looking in and i say that because he's already 24 and when you want to compare Ty Jerome to Teo Maladone, I'd say right now you might actually give the edge to Ty Jerome just based off the fact he can shoot really well, but also he's a great passer. Uh, and I, I'd say he's a better shooter than uh, Teo just based on like how he can pull up out of nowhere. He can make stuff out of absolutely nothing. And I'd say with Teo, he still can do that. I, I, I wouldn't say it's from the three though. Like he does have a bit of a step back. His more forte you know his forte is more of driving inside going for a floater or dishing it out to somebody else so i'd say ty uh is gonna give you more production on a game-to-game basis but Teo just turned 20 years old this is a four-year age gap and i think between those four years Teo is gonna grow exponentially and he's probably gonna have better value than ty also to top things off i mean you look at the contract he's just starting his second year for Ty Jerome, he's starting his third season, so it gets a little bit more interesting uh, in terms of you know where we are going to see him in a little bit. But yeah, I, I'd say Teo off of the potential, and I think how he would actually align with the team's timeline um, as we kind of progress through things. So I don't know if we'd release, we definitely wouldn't release the guy. Like, would he be packaged in a trade? Potentially, I feel like if there was a trade, it should have happened prior to the draft. We never got one. Maybe we get another, like, right before the season starts, like how we got TJ Leaf in the first place. There's a lot of time here, and I think Teo, or Ty, or Teo, I guess, would have some capacity uh, in terms of a market. But he's just kind of the odd man out for me. And I guess that's a little bit controversial, but 
like I said, it's really more based on potential than it is skill. I, I do think there is still a debate to be made in terms of who's straight up better, though. Moving past that, though, we got the announcement of the schedule, and with it comes a bit of a question as to which games I enjoy the most. And I had to look through, I think, 72 games. They might still have that condensed season, um, but there's five ones in particular that I am really in, in favor of. And if I were to go to five games, if I could only stub my ticket five times, I would be going to this one. And I'm going to go in reverse order from five to one just to save some suspense. I think you guys probably know like how this list would go, obviously. Um, just based on how we are as a team, we're looking at some of these matchups as who's on the other team as opposed to who's going to look good in a matchup here. Like, we don't have a Christmas game. We don't even have a nationally televised game. Second straight year that's happened. So, Summer League was the only time we get uh, get run on ESPN. Anyways, though, this is just kind of how I want to go through things. At number five, we have the only away game on this list, and it's because it's so close uh, to the start of the season. It's the second game on the Thunder schedule, and I just want to get that immediate uh, relief and enjoyment from watching the, these two teams go at it. And it's the OKC Thunder going to Houston to play against the Rockets. And I'm not sure if I'm going to enjoy it. It's either I enjoy it or I'm extremely pissed off. And this is a game, it's on October 22nd. First game is against the Jazz, I think uh, on the 20th. That might be the opening night for them. But you're looking at this one, and you're just looking at all the young guys. I could care less about Christian Wood. Christian Wood is a beast. He kills Oklahoma City. He kills really everybody when he plays against them, but that's fine. Christian Wood, whatever. The big story comes from Jalen Green and Alperin Sengun, and even past that, I guess Christopher and Usman, um, Garuba, if you, if you will, you want to add those two. But there's just so many young guys on this roster. The Rockets... They pretty much took everything away from the Thunder uh, based on that draft lottery. They got that number two pick to get Jalen Green and then a fan favorite, the person that everybody wanted, and Alperin Sangoon just got sniped by the Houston Rockets. Those two heavily protected first round picks, which will help in a trade, of course. Um, but, you know, a lot of people were really in favor of Sangoon and his potential. He was averaging close to a double-double in Vegas, and he was just beasting and feasting inside. Had some really wacky passes, like he nutmegged someone doing a bounce pass and stuff like that. So everyone hates how Presti orchestrated that deal. They're looking at Sangoon as the next best, uh, big thing to Jalen Green, who's already kind of proven himself to be one of the uh, new faces of the league. But those two, I'm really curious how they play. And then I'd want to see Jalen Green go up against SGA. They kind of have similar play styles. Now, in terms of, I guess, Green versus Shea, you're going to see a lot more drives from Shea where he's actually looking to pass the basketball out. I'd say that Green has a bit of a more explosive first step, and he's more athletic, of course. Um, but driving-wise, they're going to be kind of going back and forth there. It's success rate for SGA. He's really good at evading contact and getting buckets, so the penetration battle would be big. Also, with Jalen Green, I mean, this guy can fly. Is he going to get a poster? I hope not, because that's going to stay on Rockets Twitter for like the next five years, if I had to make a prediction on that. 
But just the matchup between those two, who's going to outperform the other one? Jalen Green's got a wild step back. Is SGA able to counter that? Can Green counter SGA's drives? It'd just be a bloodbath between those two guys. And then past that, you kind of get those mini matchups like Sengun, Trey Mann potentially. I don't think really he'd be uh, much in that picture. But just Sengun and if he just gets bottled up because everyone really is looking towards Sengun and they're going to be following his career until it finishes, wherever it is. This dude's in the Euro League, posting 20 and 10. Everyone or some people are going to continue uh, to let you know about it in Bricktown. So that's the game I'd want to see. Also, you cannot forget about Josh Giddy. He'd be getting some playing time. Would it be against Jalen Green? I'm not so positive about that, but you'd be able to get some run. Uh, and that's a big one as well. To get that on the second game, it's a pretty uh, pretty special one. And moving past that, you only have to go like two, three weeks to get to this venture. But the Brooklyn Nets are going to be heading to the Paycom Center to face the Thunder. November 14th is the date on that one. And this is where you get KD back. You get James Harden back. And we've seen him before in other jerseys. Like We're accustomed to seeing James Harden in a Houston Rockets jersey for example, but both of them, they're going to be in jerseys we've never seen before in the Paycom Center and even the Chesapeake Energy Arena, Brooklyn Nets jerseys. Kevin Durant, last time we saw him in the arena, he was in a Golden State Warriors jersey and everybody was booing him and everybody still hates him. Like, let's be honest, people still dislike what Kevin Durant did. There was an interview, I think he did it with Draymond Green or he did it with somebody in like the last month where he just reiterated what he's talked about for the last five years. This was the best decision I made in my life, going to Golden State. I am sure I sure hope it was. I mean, you got championship rings out of it. Um, would you have gotten that in Oklahoma City? Yeah, you probably could have, right? We don't know for sure, but they looked really good until that 3-1 uh, kind of choke against the Warriors. But anyways, you know, a lot of people have kind of toned back on hating the guy. I still think when he enters the arena, though, People dislike him. And then with James Harden, too, to a lesser degree, I still think there's some animosity going towards him. Then you also have Kyrie Irving. Those three, if they're all healthy, that is a special watch. I would want to be there for that game. Uh, not just because the Nets, the atmosphere would be wild. You also get to see SGA going at it. You get to see him going against all three of those guys. But how about Alexei Pogashevsky? Seven-foot unicorn going up against... The Unicorn and Kevin Durant. I don't know how many possessions they'd be matching up against each other. But whatever the result is, people are going to be going crazy about it. And I will be included in that party. This is probably an underrated one at number four. Um, but yeah, you definitely want to watch this. Go to this. Got to be able to see this somehow though. At three, this is another game which you want to tune into. And maybe it's for a little bit of a different reason than number four. Because this one, you get to see some young talent mixed in there. Alongside some current talent, some stars actually. And it's against the Golden State Warriors. They're going to be playing a close to back-to-back. -back. I think the Warriors come in on the 26th. There's a game in between and then they match up again. I don't know if they have to go to Golden State to play that one but this is a big game if clay thompson is going to be back you're going to see steph you're going to see clay draymond if he's healthy for this game but on top of it you get to see the summer league matchup that we desperately wanted to watch 
That was Jonathan Kaminga going up against Josh Giddy and even Moses Moody playing too, because I know a lot of people really thought highly of Moody during the draft process here in Oklahoma City, but you get that. You get two mega matchups with specifically Shea Gilgis-Alexander going up against Steph Curry. I mean, this is who everyone is you know, calling the cornerstone in SGA. He is right now against one of the league's best, maybe even greatest shooter of all time in Steph Curry. And then you get to see the Young Bucks. You get to see Kuminga go up against Giddy. A lot of people wanted to see Kuminga go at six. We'll see if, you know, that was, uh, you know, a good statement, a good take by us, or if we're going to all look like idiots past this game. And then another one you get to see, which is third, I guess, in the priority list, but it could really just rapidly rise based on the game. It's Lou Dort getting to play some defense, and this guy should have a master class in that category. He's one of the best defenders point blank in the NBA. When you look at betting odds, Lou Dort was nowhere to be found in the defensive player that you're voting. Uh, you had Rudy Gobert, of course, at the top. Like, every single time, he's just the guy there. Lou Dort, I don't even think he was in the top 10. So, he is a massive underdog. Would I bet on him being the defensive player of the year? Absolutely not. For us, he's going to be our best defender. No question about it. He could be on that caliber. Team success plays a big role into that, though. And just, you know, having that kind of name brand uh that popularity attached to you which Lou Dort kind of does have in some crevices of you know league media but he's not completely on that big stage yet I think it's going to take a couple more years for uh, him to kind of immerse into that top conversation but him going up against Steph him going up against Clay potentially him having to run up against the rookies I want to watch that so badly so this is another one where I would want to go personally watch this one courtside. Ticket prices, I would not be able to pay for it. But maybe, you know, nosebleeds being loud city, that's always a good time. So that's what I have at number three. Going beyond that, though, to number two. And this is a matchup we kind of already saw. Um, now, the stakes are not as big. You didn't get to see the actual fan atmosphere, but you get to see it on April the 1st and this is one where you have to just wait and see and I think all the real storylines are going to be gone by this point um, but the reunion you're going to be waiting on it until April and it's when the Pistons come to town you get to see Kane Cunningham back in Oklahoma now it's not going to be Stillwater of course but take 90 minutes uh, away from there and hey you're in the Paycom Center so you get to watch that game we got to see him face off against Teo in the uh, summer league debut of his and that went in the thunder's favor of course we didn't get to see it in an nba arena i don't know how you're going to see the fans packed in there if there's going to be restrictions in terms of tickets but i'll let you know like even for people who don't enjoy thunder basketball people who don't care about the thunder losing to the sacramento kings in like 70 to 72 like just really those types of games i think this is one where just a casual fan would want to watch this because if you're an Oklahoma State fan, you want to see Cade Cunningham. You probably would be following him leading up into this game, but seeing him back in Oklahoma to face against the Thunder, that would be big time. And that's a matchup I'd want to watch. Now, the reason I said, you know, a lot of the storylines are going to be gone outside of the reunion, 
this is the back end of the season. We're going to know if Cade Cunningham's legitimate or not. And if this guy's, you know, not performing to the best of his abilities, this is still a hell of a game. We want to see the number one pick from Oklahoma State in the arena, right? But if this guy is posting like all-star numbers, far and away better than Jalen Green, or even if there is a battle between one and two, this just amplifies it to another level. And then you look towards him versus SGA. And this is me just pulling something out of you know where, but you look at Cade Cunningham, you look at SGA, the rumors, they were rumors. There was never any substance to this, but you had the idea of SGA being offered for the number one pick, which of course was Cade Cunningham, and that would have been declined as it was reported, or it would have been rejected, whatever. Um, you know, you could toss that in as kind of that like, hey, if you want to try to amp it up, stir some things, that would be that. Like, hey, you know, Kay Cunningham is playing at astronomical levels for a rookie. And SGA, he's not 19 years old. He's still playing at all-star levels. But could the Thunder have been better off with Cade Cunningham? Maybe a stupid storyline, of course. Like, we're, we're riding and dying with SGA at this point. But you get to see those two uh, kind of similar, just like it would be with Jalen Green. Like, who is able to oust the other? Cade does not have the quickest first step. Could he still get around um, SGA? Could he hit some step backs on him? Who's going to come out on top? Outside of Cade, you have like Sadiq Bey, Isaiah Stewart. Isaiah Stewart's a monster against the Thunder. Like in his rookie campaign, that was probably the matchup he most um, looked forward to because he would be getting like 20 points and 15 rebounds on Moses Brown or something. He's gone now, so he might be hindered a little bit there, but that's the big one you just want to see Cade back in action in okc uh, but the big one though is one that everybody already anticipated and everybody expected it it is the lakers coming to town and this is an interesting schedule um because if you want to watch thunder basketball there is no breaks in the action all the primo matchups got just front loaded this year this is another game in October. And when I look at this list, three out of these five are in October. And the other one in the Nets game, that's the second week. I guess it's the 14th of November. So you don't really have much in 2022. Uh, I think they meet up again, though. Uh, December 10th, the Lakers come back to the Paycom Center. But this is the big one I'd want to watch. If you got everybody healthy, you have Russell, you have LeBron James, you have Anthony Davis. And if it's just AD and LeBron alone, I still think you want to put them on the list. Like, you know, one of the things with me, I want to be able to watch these guys. And before they retire, I want to see LeBron James in person. Are you kidding me? Now, those tickets are going to be wild. A, a normal Lakers game is one of the highest tickets on the market. It's pretty hard to buy these things, even if you want to go in the nosebleeds. And this is without Russ. The Houston Rockets game, whenever he returned, I was able to go to that one. It was still you know, a pretty uh, large amount of money to get a ticket there. And it wasn't like a Lakers game. I think the Lakers game was probably a little bit higher, but still good money. I mean, you could get into some of these lower tier matchups for relatively cheap amounts of money. This one, absolutely not. I don't know if it's going to be more than the KD game. 
I would probably bet against that, uh, obviously. That was a special one, but this is still a special matchup here. We never got to see Russ in a Wizards jersey heading off to Oklahoma City. Now we get to see him again. You skip the Wizards. You go to the Lakers. These guys are on a mission. They want to bring a Larry O'Brien trophy back. They had that one-year hiatus, did it in a bubble, saw them you know, get bounced out of the first round. They are hungry, and they made that major acquisition in getting Russell Westbrook. Everybody hated this move. You know, the big media corporations, or just like, you know, the ESPNs, or whatever. Whatever company you want to think of. A lot of those writers, they're not too fond of it, because you had the opportunity to get Buddy Heald for a similar price, and they're thinking, you know what, Russell Westbrook, he's a ball hog. He's not looking to pass. He takes terrible shots, this and that. He's going to be able to prove him wrong, and one of the first games he gets to match up against is where he made his name, Oklahoma City, and all the fans still love him here. He's going to have his jersey up. Is he going to have a statue? I don't know about that. I don't think people would really be complaining about it, of course, but yeah, he's going to be able to take the trip over here. He gets a second shot because they are in the same conference now. Thank goodness we get to see him one extra time. But that's the big game for me. And I think this is the one where whenever these seats become available and you see the seat geeks and the third uh, third party sellers going at it, got to make sure you find yourself a ticket. And for those of you looking to get in that lower bowl, good luck, man. I would be in that upper bowl. Uh, this is one, though, where I'm going to be calling some people. I'm going to be like, hey, you want to go to this game? You know, this or that. And kind of go from there but you got two chances with russ that is big with all these other games i don't think there's as much magnitude on them maybe the brooklyn nets game might have some strings attached to it but you're gonna get a second matchup with all of those outside of the pistons one so those are the top five games that i'm personally looking forward to now there are a lot of other games to choose from here you get to play all of the other 29 teams so if you got a favorite team you just got to check online it's completely published now they got it out last week so you can check the full 2021-22 schedule but if you guys have any more questions for me make sure to hit me up you guys can find me on my twitter at ben Kreider, or you can just go to the pods twitter at thunderstick pod i will respond to you guys regardless doesn't matter which way you want to go with that but other than that though guys that is going to do it for today's episode I thank you all for listening, and I will talk to you all next time. See ya.